Matthew 7, chapter, uh, chapter 7, verses 13 to 29. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. It'll be a great help uh, as we go along. Uh, We're going to look at that passage from Matthew chapter 7. If you have a Bible, keep that open in front of you. That'll help you to uh, work out where we are and what's happening. Uh, This is a picture of Steve Jobs. Is everyone familiar with him? Uh, founder of Apple. In 2005, he gave a speech to graduating students at Stanford University in in California. Uh, The point of the speech was to give some uh, wisdom, some insight into his life and career that would help them as they go uh, out from uni into the real world. Here's what he said. It's up there. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. It's an amazing speech, uh, really worth looking up. Here is one of the most successful people in the world uh, revealing what drives him, and it's death. His death. Death, he says, puts everything in perspective. If I know I'm going to die, uh, what does it matter if this person likes me or not? It gave uh, Steve Jobs the freedom to just go for it. Uh, He was completely fearless. Uh, He took risks and ended up building this enormous tech company. It helped him to make real, life-changing decisions. And I hope that tonight... Actually, this passage from Matthew chapter 7 will help us to do exactly the same thing. To think about what is absolute, 
what is unavoidable. Because whatever that is, that will help to crystallise our thinking. As uh, Jobs puts it, it'll, it'll help us make the big choices in life. Uh, but we're not just going to read through uh, Steve Jobs' graduation speech. We're going to look here at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. In terms of historical impact, it's hard to think of someone uh, more influential than Jesus. Uh, more than a third of the world's population, about 2.2 billion people, would describe themselves as Christian followers of this Jesus. Steve Jobs is a good comparison because his uh, work has really helped to change the shape of the modern world, uh, but he's also had a personal impact. Uh, if you've got an iPhone in your pocket, uh, then uh, Steve Jobs has changed the way that you talk and uh, relate to your friends, how you think and get information. Uh, he's had an intimate impact on our lives. Jesus is a bit like that, except across 2,000 years. Uh, really, there's no one who's had a more profound effect on world history. And he's also had that same individual impact, except even more so. Uh, even today, people decide how to live, uh, which uni course they're going to take, because they want to follow and serve this person, Jesus. If you're here tonight, I assume that you're at least interested in what Jesus has to say. And uh, in this passage, he talks about that thing that is absolute in life. So I'm glad you're here, uh, willing to consider uh, what Jesus has to say. And what he wants to say is that there is something even more absolute than death. Something even more absolute than death. He describes it with uh, an image Two gates, two roads, two destinations. Have a look at verse 13 where we started off. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The picture is pretty straightforward. Uh, two roads... Uh, one like a freeway, uh, many heaps of cars on it, uh, and one like a four-wheel drive track, narrow, out of the way, only a few find it. He's describing uh, two paths to take through life. And really, that would have been a shock for the people listening, because for them, there was only one path. There was the law, there was religious observance, that was the one path to life with God. But Jesus says it doesn't work. It's big, uh, uh, lots of people on it, but it's a road to nowhere. There's a different, smaller road that he wants us to take. And it matters because of the destinations. For Steve Jobs, uh, death was the final absolute thing. The thing that shaped all of his life decisions. But for Jesus, uh, the most absolute thing isn't death, it's what happens after death. And you see that in those two destinations. He says, broad is the road that leads to destruction and narrow the road that leads to life. According to Jesus, uh, after death, God will make a judgment on our lives. And the outcome will either be destruction or life. 
Our choices now uh, lead us either to an eternal life uh, with God or to face God's punishment. And for Jesus, that's what's absolute. The fact that we are accountable to God. Now, at this point, uh, you might object and think, really? Is, is, is that really the case? Am I really accountable to God? Does he care uh, what I'm doing on any particular day? But I think it's, it's reasonable to think that God does care. That if there is a God who made us, uh, who created us, uh, then it makes sense that we bear some accountability to him. I think, you know, we naturally understand that. Uh, if your boss tells you to go and stack shelves, uh, I worked my way through uni at Woolies, and, um, you know, they were paying for my time, and so I'm accountable to my boss about how I spend that time. Uh, if you go off to the lunchroom and uh, check Facebook for an hour, Facebook didn't exist when I was working at Woolies, but imagine that it did, uh, you know, you can't just do that. I'm, I'm accountable for my time. I'm accountable for how I spend my time. And if that's true at Woolworths, at your part-time job, how much more do our lives matter to God, to the God who made us? Aren't we accountable to him in some way? And I think that's good. It's good if we are. It means that our lives aren't an accident, uh, that we have real meaning and real responsibility with how we live our lives. And I think it's good because it means that there is such a thing as justice, that people will be held accountable for the good and the evil that they do. And I think the alternative is far worse. A God who doesn't care, where things are just random or evil, and uh, God doesn't care one bit. He's just like a bored teenager frying ants with a magnifying glass. But God does care. He cares about you and he cares about your life. And we will be accountable to the God who made us. And so Jesus wants to tell us uh, to take the narrow road that leads to life, life with God. And he gives us a couple of questions, uh, things to to think about as we work that out. Uh, Firstly, he wants to ask the question, who will you listen to? Uh, There in verse 15, Jesus says, watch out. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. See, in Jesus' day, there were lots of people around who uh, would tell you how to do that, how to get that eternal life with God. Uh, They were religious teachers and they looked the part, uh, but Jesus says, watch out. They're not in it for you, they're only in it for themselves. Uh, They don't care about Uh, You standing accountable to God, they only care about themselves now. And Jesus says you can tell who they are, and the test is their life. Verse 16, he says, by their fruit you will recognise them. That is, their their actions will reveal what their real motivations are. Jesus is saying that you're right to be sceptical of religious gurus driving Ferraris. Uh, where clearly they're just uh, lining their pockets. 
You're right to be appalled by uh, religious leaders uh, involved in scandal and sexual abuse because by their fruit you'll recognise them. And Jesus says, watch out for people like that. Don't listen to them. And in fact, uh, what he's doing, the, the challenge to the crowd is for them to, uh, to examine him, to examine Jesus. I think that's one of the most compelling reasons to consider the claims of Jesus. Uh, when you read the biography of his life, uh, like we're doing, going through Matthew's Gospel, uh, Jesus is so good, so full of compassion for the people around him, especially those who are outcast, the people most in need. Uh, by their fruit, you will recognise them. And you can recognise something in Jesus by who he is, by how consistent he is, that he is what he says and he's, what he says he does. And he wants to know who uh, will you listen to. Because who you listen to matters uh, when it comes to that final absolute thing of being accountable to God. So consider Jesus. Will you find out whether he is worth listening to? So firstly, uh, Jesus says, uh, who will you listen to? Secondly, uh, what will you depend on? What will you depend on? Uh, The second danger, the second uh, mistake is to go it alone. To think that we can depend on our status uh, or our achievements when we give an account of our lives to God. Listen to what Jesus says about that. Verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's actually an astonishing thing for Jesus to say, uh, that some people will have great resumes, will have done amazing things, Uh, they will know the right answers, they'll say the right things, Uh, they'll even call themselves Christians, but it will count for nothing when they give an account to God. In the end, Jesus will say, I never knew you. Uh, I'm married. I've got a ring right here. Uh, I've got a wedding certificate at home, a piece of paper from the government that says that I'm married to Liana, uh, so I'm married, right? Except am I? Uh, If I never spoke to Liana, if we never did anything together, if... uh, we didn't live together, and if no part of my life is impacted by her, am I really married? Isn't, isn't that piece of paper just uh, hollow? Calling yourself a Christian, ticking a box on the census, uh, they are not things to depend on. Uh, a Christian upbringing, going to a Christian school, they will be flimsy things to depend on when you give an account of your life to God. Jesus' name isn't going to be a magic trick. It's not a secret password, like having your name on the door at the club. Jesus wants to know, what will you depend on? And he says, only uh, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 21. Only those uh, who I can say, I knew you, will enter that eternal life with God. And so Jesus finally asks, what will you base your life on? What will you base your life on? 
And again, he uses a picture, a picture of two men, each building a house, uh, one in Sydney, one in Perth. No, not really. Um, but kind of like that. Sydney is this you know, magnificent city uh, built on rock around a harbour, and Perth is basically one big long beach, uh, <laughs> sand as far as the eye can see, and one big storm and we're all out of here. Uh, no. But, you know, in the ancient world, they didn't have the same concrete technology that uh, WA has. Uh, so to build your house on sand was foolish, uh, alongside uh, a river, perhaps. You see those, those pictures sometimes of those big mansions that are, like, on the edge of cliffs, but a, a storm comes and eats it away, and the whole thing tumbles into the water. And Jesus says, uh, that's foolish, And he takes that idea and he applies it to life. What will you base your life on? Have a read with me, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Once again, uh, you see that Jesus has that absolute thing squarely in mind. The, the image of a storm makes us think of the storms of life, like when illness hits or uh, when well, we're unemployed or we, we can't get a job after uni. And, but Jesus isn't thinking about those kind of storms. Uh, Jewish people understood that image to be talking about that ultimate experience of giving an account to God. And it was like a storm because it's not easy to stand before God like that. Just for something to compare it to, how would you feel if you were asked uh, to stand up here tonight and give an account of everything you've done this week? Just just this week, uh, just to this group. What about if it had to include every word that you'd spoken? What about if it had to include every uh, thought you'd had? Every thought, word and deed exposed. It'd be confronting, wouldn't it? It'd be like a storm. I mean, not necessarily. It'd be easy if our thoughts and words and deeds were commendable, if we were good but they're not. And so the prospect of facing God and his anger is like a storm coming at us. But Jesus says there's a way to stand firm in that storm. Not to go it alone, not to base your life on uh, religious performance or rituals or our moral performance, but to base your life on him to listen to his words and put them into practice, to follow Jesus as the one who can offer forgiveness and a right relationship with God so that the storm of God's final judgment doesn't lead to destruction but to life with God. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am the narrow way. Will you base your life on following me? And as as he comes to the end of this uh, big, long speech called the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he wants people to make a decision. Will you do that? Will you base your life on what I have said? Or will you go it alone? 
Now, that's, that's a huge decision. To become a Christian, uh, not just in name, uh, but to base your life on Jesus, trusting him. That's huge. But Jesus says that it makes sense when you consider what is absolute. Think back to Steve Jobs' speech. Remembering that he would die was the thing that helped him to make the big decisions of life. And remembering that one day we will give an account to God. It works in exactly the same way. Uh, if you, you can put that into Steve Jobs' speech and it still makes sense. Remembering that I'll one day face God is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of meeting God, leaving only what is truly important. Given that we will give an account of our life to God, we need to decide Will we go it alone or will we base our life on Jesus and his words? Now, for some here tonight, uh, that will be something that you already know, that you've already decided on. The reality of uh, meeting God has convinced you uh, that it's worth following Jesus. Uh, But for some, this will be new, or maybe not a new idea, but uh, maybe something that you haven't taken seriously before not a decision that you've made. Uh, Well, tonight, can I urge you, take the opportunity uh, to make a decision on that. Here's a theory I've been working on. Uh, Decisions are hard. It's it's not outrageous, you know, maybe it needs some work. Um, (laughs) But I I don't just mean that, like... Decisions are hard when it's hard to choose between things, but it's not just that decisions are hard, but finding time to make a decision is hard. Uh, like Something like moving out of, ha- out of home, something like that, a big decision. Uh, that's hard because, you know, you might want to move out, but uh, there's so much noise in life that it, it can be hard to, to find the space to make that decision. There's always uni assignments or, you know, there's parties on, there's work... And uh, in the rush of life, there's never uh, the time to work out the pros and cons and what it will mean for your relationships, uh, let alone to go out looking and find a place to rent and buy a washing machine and everything else that's involved. It's all too much. And so we end up staying at home because uh, it's easier than making a big change or really thinking about it. And I think the same is true uh, with what we believe you might think, yes, I do think that we will give an account to God. And I, I do think I, I need to change what I base my life on. But becoming a Christian, really owning that, giving up control of my life to Jesus, that is such a big change. And I'm, I'm doing waste right now while uni is really ramping up and I've got all this stuff And there's never space to really make a decision like that. And so I want to say, tonight is your moment. If that's you, uh, this passage uh, here in Matthew 7, Jesus is calling us to make a decision. He says there's two paths, two destinations. 
Two ways to build a house. Two outcomes in the storm. And Jesus puts that decision to you. What will you base your life on? Will it be your own performance? Or will it be listening to Jesus' words and entrusting yourself to him, putting those words into practice? Can I urge you tonight to take the opportunity to make that decision? To let that absolute reality of meeting God be the thing that shapes the hard choice now. And here at Union Church, uh, we are all about helping uh, you to uh, make a decision like that and to turn a decision like that into reality. I'd love to chat with you if, if this passage uh, has helped you to make a decision like that. Uh, or you can chat with someone who's maybe invited you along or uh, grab your hub group leader. Uh, becoming a follower of Jesus is a huge decision. But when we remember that one day we will give an account of our lives to God, it is a decision worth making.